Today, I want to talk about another crucial trait of what it means to be a bridge builder. And that's that we have to be people who repent. The word repent literally means to, to turn around. When Jesus gives us the instruction to love our neighbor, the invitation is to walk towards our neighbor, to move towards those who are different from us. But so often, especially in this time of great tension in our nation, for hundreds of reasons... We have developed this, this habit of walking away, of walking in the wrong direction. But the call to repent is a call to turn around and to start walking towards people. But if we're going to build bridges, if we're going to walk towards people, we need to go through this process of turning around. Today I want to talk about a part of the life of King David, who in many ways had an incredible life. God blessed him. God said, he's a man after my own heart. But David's life was far from perfect. And there's this one well-highlighted area of his life where instead of using his influence for good, his power to empower, instead of taking the opportunity to bridge, build bridges, he started living in a divisive and destructive way. His story is found in 2 Samuel. If you want to turn now in your Bibles, on your computers, on your phone, to 2 Samuel 12, We'll see what repentance looks like for David and how I think repentance needs to look like for us. But first, let me give you a little bit of the backstory. David is this powerful king who has sent his people to war, but David hasn't gone to the front lines. He's staying at home. And one evening as he's looking from his palace, he sees this beautiful lady bathing, and he starts to lust after her. And as we know, lust is one of those things that takes us in the wrong direction. But he's the king, and he's got all kinds of power, and so he decides to abuse his power. We know that abuse of power is something that builds walls, that divides. But this lady comes over because he's the king and she doesn't have any choice. And David sleeps with another man's wife. And we know that when that happens, that divides and it breaks and it destroys. And David finds out that she's pregnant. So he tries to pull her husband back and manipulate the situation so he can get out of Dodge. And we know that whenever manipulation happens, it builds walls and it separates and it causes people to go in the wrong direction. But his manipulation doesn't work, so he decides to have Bathsheba's husband murdered. 
We know that murder and death and hatred are those things that build walls, not bridges. And so here's King David, this man after God's own heart, consumed and saturated in his sin. He has abused his power. He has acted unjustly and has caused great separation in so many ways, most obviously between himself and between God. As you read the story, it's a painful moment for David. And really, he only has one option. And that's to turn around from the way he's been heading and turn the right way to bring repentance and healing and start to mend some of those bridges, especially the bridge with God that he's destroyed. But David was a bit like me, and David was a bit like you. When we're caught in our messes, we don't know how to turn around. We don't know how to make wrongs right. And so we need a hand. A hand from a gracious God and a hand from a good friend. And that's where we pick up the scripture today in 2 Corinthians 12. While he was walking the wrong way, while he was contributing to the division in his land, chapter 12, verse 1 says, The Lord sent Nathan to David. The Lord sent Nathan to David. Nathan was a friend. He was a prophet. He, he was a, a confidant. He was also the, the, the director of God's justice in the land. And Nathan had received this word from God that he needed to deliver to the most powerful man in the world at that time, King David. He had to speak truth to power. He had to expose a secret. He had to perform spiritual surgery to the most powerful man in the land whose actions were causing division and building up walls when God wanted to build bridges. It is not an easy thing to speak truth to power. The risks are high. The consequences are great. And so before going to the king, Nathan had to think long and hard about how he was going to address this. And he realized that the only way to expose the king was by getting the king to expose himself. There was no way that he could say, hey, you're wrong. Hey, God told me this about you. That just wouldn't have worked. And we know that from personal experience, right? 
When we've done wrong and someone confronts us, if they're too direct, we do not respond well. And we respond with aggression and defensiveness, and it actually uh, strengthens tensions rather than removes them. So he has to think very carefully about this, and he says, my best plan is to help the king expose himself. And so he decides to come up with this story. You can read it in the first few verses. I'll summarize it. Basically, he tells this story about in the land, there's a rich man who has lots of sheep and there's a poor man who just has one sheep. And a traveler came to that town and the man who had many sheep, who had all the power, wanted to put on a feast for this traveler. He wanted to provide some lamb. But rather than sacrifice one of his own sheep, he decided to steal the sheep from the poor man who loved this sheep, who treated this sheep as a family pet, who in fact, the scripture says in verse 3, treated this sheep like a daughter. This guy loved this one sheep. It was all he had. He was so bonded to it. But this other man who already had a whole herd of sheep couldn't sacrifice one for the visitor, and so he stole unjustly the sheep from the poor guy. It's outrageous, right? We can think of numerous examples in our society where those who have a lot take from those who don't have much. And when we read about those stories and when we hear those stories, we cry injustice and something stirs within us, right? As David heard this story, something stirred within him. It was a really brilliant, clever story because there were so many overlaps in that story between what was happening with the the, the wealthy sheep owner and the poor sheep owner that reflected David's sin with Bathsheba. A grave injustice had taken place. It was unfair and it was unjust. But something is happening here that is really important. And something that we need to understand if we want to turn around. What's happening here is that David is being confronted by someone he trusts. The first thing that I want to say about turning around is that if we want to repent, we have to let people confront us. Truth be told, we're not very good at that. In fact, we're rather poor at that. When someone calls us out on something, we want to defend ourselves, or we want to place the blame, or we want to fight back. We don't like being confronted. In fact, we live in a world where we don't like being confronted so much that we're changing the rules on what sin is so that we can avoid any kind of confrontation. 
Because honestly, it's just easier for us. Because we just do not like confrontation. But in order for David to repent, he needed someone who loved him to confront him. When was the last time that someone confronted you and you were okay with it? And you learned from it? I I would put it to you today that we need to be people who are prepared to be confronted on our wrongdoings. Because if we're not lovingly confronted, we can't lovingly be conformed into the image of God. Let me say that again. If we can't receive loving confrontation when we're wrong, then it makes it a whole lot harder for us to be lovingly conformed into the image of God. What Nathan was saying wasn't particularly pleasant, but it was something that David needed to hear. God wants us to conform us into his image. But if we're living in our sin and getting away with it, then we are, we are getting worse, not better. We are becoming unholier rather than more holy. If we want to turn around, if we want to start building bridges, then we must be confronted with our sin so that we can be conformed into the image of our sinless, loving God. Does that make sense? Next time someone confronts you, give them some grace because they are giving you a precious gift. They are giving you the opportunity to evaluate your behavior and your attitude and see how it lines up to the values and the attitudes of the one that we serve, the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance starts with confrontation. Do not close the door to loving confrontation. What happens next? Verse 5. David was infuriated. He, he was ticked. He was angry. Here's the king who is governing the, the whole land. But there's something about this little story that's made him crazy. Crazy angry. Now his anger is a righteous anger because God's upset about this injustice too. But you know when you're guilty, things that should make you a little angry can make you a lot angry. And David right here is a lot angry. He doesn't want injustice in his kingdom. Maybe he's trying to cover over his own sins. Maybe he's trying to make amends. He wants to stamp out injustice. That's a great thing. And his anger coming from this emotion inside of him is so strong and so forceful. He says, that guy deserves to die. That rich man who stole the sheep from the poor guy is unjust. He deserves to die. Then he starts thinking through things because he has done this thing and shown no pity. He must pay four lambs for that lamb. He must offer some uh, reparation. That's, the, that, that's what the law said. 
But in this response is something else that we must understand if we want to turn around. Not only must we be able and allow ourselves to be confronted, but secondly, we must embrace the pain of injustice. We must embrace the pain of injustice. You see what's happening here? David isn't just feeling this on an intellectual, academic mind-based level. He's feeling it in his heart. He's angry. He's ticked. If there weren't some children here, I'd probably use stronger language to describe his emotion. He starts to feel the pain of injustice. But there's a problem here, and we all know it. Nathan knew it. David is more concerned about the injustice in the lives of others than he is about the injustice that he's causing himself. He is caught up in the the worst kind of blindness. The, The blindness to himself. He can see a problem in someone else, but he can't see that problem in himself. You know what we nicely call that? We call that hypocrisy and it is you're the problem you're wrong but I'm okay Nathan know and we know that that's not the truth David was feeling the pain of injustice but he wasn't applying that pain to himself if we want to turn around we must understand the pain of our own hypocrisy You know, the opposite of hypocrisy is integrity. And the way that we we deal with hypocrisy is with humility. David is called to turn around. Let me remind you to let people who love you confront you. Let me encourage you to feel the pain deeply of your hypocrisy. Nathan next says something incredibly courageous, verse 7. I imagine as he says it, his, his lip is quivering a little bit. Uh, excuse me, sir. I know you're real angry right now. I know you're real tick, but... Um, You are that man. (laughs) What the powerful rich guy did to abuse the poor, impoverished guy is exactly what you've done. David had been confronted. He was feeling the pain. And now he was starting to own his behavior. Nathan continues to speak the voice of God. He says, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel. I rescued you from Saul. I gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. God's saying, David, I gave you everything. Everything you needed, everything you wanted. You were my man. 
but you abused it. God goes on to say, if that was enough, if that wasn't enough, I'd have given you more. All you had to do was ask. But David had been thinking with the wrong part of his body. (laughs) And it got him in all kinds of trouble. And he had everything. But he wanted what he didn't have. And he knew it was wrong and he couldn't ask God for it. And now that which was done in secret has been exposed to the light. He'd been confronted and he'd felt the pain. And now his only option was to own his behavior. This is an amazing story. He's got everything he needs. Incredible family, great home, great influence. But he learns a painful lesson that many have learned the hard way. That when it comes to issues of sin, the pleasure is not worth the price. The pleasure is not worth the price. God said, why were you going there? Why did you do that? If you needed something, I'd have given it to you. But you went your own way. You violated my way. Remember in the old church that I used to be involved with, we had a a lady who stole some money from the church. We had to call the police, and it was a big mess. And so we looked into things. It turns out she stole about $2,000, and she had a pretty legitimate reason for it. And I remember we said to her, look, if you'd have just asked, we could have given you what you wanted. But David was involved in sin and he knew that God wasn't going to give him something sinful, so he stole it for himself and now he's broken by it. And he has to own his own behavior. I love what David does here. He does the only thing that he can do. Verse 13. I've sinned against God. I'm wrong. My bad. My stupid move. My mistake. My costly decision. That's what it means to own our behavior. And honestly, our society does a horrible job of it. He's confronted with his sin. He's broken by his sin. And when that happens, the only thing that can get us out of that is us owning our sin before God in forgiveness. Then Nathan replied to the Lord, Here's some good news. Verse 13. The Lord has taken away your sin, and you will not die. There is some pardon from God here in the midst of some punishment. You see what's happening here? David is this leader who's supposed to build bridges, who's supposed to bring people together, who's supposed to lead in a godly way. 
but his actions have torn down and they've walked away and they've built walls. And so God has to say to him, David, you need to be confronted by what you've done wrong. You need to feel the pain of what you've done wrong. You need to own what you've done wrong. David says, I'm sorry. But to David's sin, there is a consequence. And that consequence was a very, very costly one. For the rest of his life, his family experienced all kinds of traumatic problems. One of those traumatic moments was the death of the son that had been conceived in this sin. Now this idea raises all kinds of questions about God, and I don't pretend to have all the answers. But we need to understand that our sin does have some very difficult consequences. And so the child is born. And David knows that the child is going to, to die. I don't think the child's death was God's punishment. I think it was, was a consequence. Maybe it was, maybe it was merciful. But when a baby is born, shortly before he dies, David says, I'm going to pray and I'm going to intercede. And I'm going to beg. And the story goes on that all of David's servants were, were worried about him. They were nervous about him. They weren't sure how he was going to react when the child dies and the child dies. And the servants come to to comfort him. They say, the, the baby died. Yeah, he's dead. And David says this in verse 23. And this is a little bit aside to the message, but I, I, I want to say it because it gives us some great perspective on, on death. He says in verse 23, as he's talking about the passing of a loved one, I'll go to him, but he will never return to me. There's some powerful words about death right there. Last afternoon, I had to call a friend whose brother-in-law just passed, and I had to break that news to him. That news is, is heartbreaking and it's harrowing because that person will never return to us. But the good news is the gospel is that one day we will return to him. This morning, just this morning, one of my friends who lives in Pennsylvania, he his wife just had a baby. It was a stillborn yesterday. And we were texting back and forth in the early hours of this morning. And we talked about the scripture. Because death says that that person will not return to us. That's the reality of life. But the hope of heaven is that we will go to them. 
David is saying there is an afterlife, there is a heaven. Jesus came to show us the way to heaven, the, the way to that, that reunion. Powerful words. Verse 24, then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. He went to her and slept with her, and she gave birth to a son and named him Solomon. About Solomon, Scripture says in verse 25, the Lord loved him. And God sent another message through the prophet Nathan again. And Nathan named him Jedidiah. Jedidiah means loved by God. David means beloved. And what's happening, and David and Nathan both seem to agree, was that there was a restoration taking place to the plans and purposes of God. There had been this huge mess created this huge tangled mess, and God was untangling it. God was making that which had been wrong right. That which had been broken restored. He was bringing order out of chaos and healing out of hurt and life out of death. And that's what God does. Again, there's a lot in that scripture that I don't pretend to understand. But I do know this. David's behavior had caused him to walk away from God. To walk away from everything that was important. To walk away from everything that mattered. But as he was walking the wrong way, God tapped him on the shoulder and said, turn around, repent, and start walking the other way. Start walking towards me. Start walking towards those that I love. Start walking towards your neighbor. Start walking towards those who are different from you. Start walking towards those who look differently and think differently and vote differently from you. Start walking towards each other. But to do that, you must repent. How do we repent? We let someone lovingly confront us because that confrontation is a gift to conform us to God. We feel the pain of our own hypocrisy. We own our own sin. And we say I'm wrong. And when we confess, and when we repent, we see God untangling the tangled messes of our lives. We hear the words of Scripture in John 
that say if we confess our sins one to another, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will turn us around and put us in the right direction. But it all starts with repentance. 